Hey there listeners, welcome to My Maiden. Today I'm catching up with my mate from Boston, Kelly. Kelly, thanks for joining me. Good morning, Jasmine, and thanks for having me because I get to do one of the things I love the most and that's talk about a city, I have to say, that's often neglected by Australians in the travel oh. trails. Yeah. Oh, spicy. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, as you said, I'm from Boston and I find that with Australians, they get as far northeast as New York City. Understandable. Like, I mean, we've all seen Home Alone, right? Like who wouldn't want to go to New York, <laughs> who wouldn't want to, go to New York City? But um, really, like Boston is sometimes called the Athens of America, not because we have this tremendous Greek population, but because it's so steeped in history. And a lot of the um, cultural cuisine from Boston ties back to like the early roots of like the fishing industry, for example, right. and cod and all that sort of stuff. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But just to, um, one of the things that you brought up earlier was, do you have any dietary concerns or we're lucky? I'll give you that a little bit of context. So we're really lucky. We don't have any, um, you know, celiacs or, and not to say that that's a curse, obviously, but we just kind of can go open slather. No nut allergies. Like my kids are very much the nut allergy generation. My big caveat is though three teenagers. So that's always um, tricky. And my kids have very different culinary peccadilloes, if you will. One is a true foodie. <laughs> One would eat the diet of a toddler. So chicken fingers and French fries <laughs> and carrots. And then my other one is just about the volume of food. How much food can I get into me, right? He's like a born buffet person. So okay. um, so that, you know, obviously to some extent impacts on the types of uh, choices we make when we go over to Boston. But um, we do have a couple of stock standard places that we get to. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. Perfect. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I need to speak to more people who are living abroad and talking about a place that they come from, because I loved that you just dived into like, Hey, here's what you need to think about when you visit the U S like that, that was really passionate. Oh, thanks. I'm a great advocate for my, for my city. Right. And I think actually you, you don't appreciate that when you live in a place, it's when you leave that all of a sudden you go, Oh, Hey, so. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we've got a couple of places to talk about. Where are we going to start? Okay, so I mentioned the fishing industry of Boston, right? And like they, the saying is Australia rides on the sheep's back. I think early colonial America and probably up until, uh, oh, I mean, I would st still say it's, it's relevant to the economy in New England is fishing. So if you go with any kind of seafood options in and around Boston, really, really good. Great, fantastic lobsters. Very different than Australian lobster. A um, lot more meat in the claws. And they're relatively reasonably priced. Okay. And the same with like oysters. Um, we have something called steamers, which are really just little like kind of white clams that you just cook till they're similar to a mussel. You get lots mm. of mussels here. Um, so anything kind of in that area, if you love your seafood, crab cakes, all of that sort of stuff, it's a great place to go. And it's funny. I used to say like Boston, because it's a city that's built on swampland, I've never been to a city that's more blasé about their waterfront right? Like every other city you go to, they have a, a postage size area of waterfront, like Nashville being one and everything fans out from there, right? Mm. Boston's like, meh, we've got all this water. We just don't know what to do with it sort of thing. <laughs> it's a working harbor. So in the last 20 years, I've obviously shifted that. It's become very gentrified and there's lots of great eateries and stuff. But the place that I want to talk about um, for your seafood is a Boston institution. The building itself has been around since the 1600s um, wow. and it had all sorts of various 
purposes over the years. Um, allegedly, one of the future kings of France had lived on the first floor of the place. It was kind of um, historically tied to like all the rebels during the American Revolution, and they printed some newspaper and all sorts of legendary kind of stuff happened at this building. But since I think about the 1800s, it's been the Union Oyster House. And you go in and it's got the rickety old floors. It's got a little tiny bar that you can sit at and they shuck the oysters right there in front of you. It doesn't look fancy, but it's quintessentially New England. And as I said, really tied to that whole um, industry. And the good thing is it's like steps from Faneuil Hall, which is like a really kind of beautiful old cobblestone touristy area. So lots of really cool, fun things to see in and around that. The old custom house, you steps from the waterfront. So it's a really great place to kind of put on the bucket list if you're going to go to Boston and say, where am I going to eat today? So, oh, and clam chowder. Like I couldn't, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention clam chowder, like fatty, fantastic, not for the vegans. (laughs) Um, Would that be your go-to? That would be one of my go-tos. Yeah. Like I I don't, um, I, I always try to get a clam chowder in when I get home. Even if it's summer, like I'm like, I'm eating the goddamn soup. <laughs> that was humid and 35 that degrees That was my outside. next question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I will still go in for the cup of soup. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is, and I haven't seen these anywhere. It comes with oyster crackers. They're called oyster crackers. There's nothing oyster about them. It's just the name. Yeah. I think it's the shape because they look like kind of a little, like a little tiny miniature oyster, but they're just little, almost like a crouton. And they come in a little pack when you order your chowder and you open the little pack and you dump it in. Oh, interesting. I don't know why yeah. my brain's instantly going to like prawn chips when you order yeah, Chinese no. food or something. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crouton yeah. crunchier. Yeah, crunchy. Yeah. Mm. Like a puffy mm. jat, but tiny. Ah, okay. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So, and I think the other thing that's important, like with the US, like so much cuisine is reason, re- regionally driven and regionally based. So, and I'm sure you would have found this when you've traveled, you go to the mm. South and you're going to get a completely different menu or kind of list of choices I, i'd never yeah. even heard of like okra for example which is like a stock right. standard southern thing until i was in my 20s yeah. so yeah there is a lot of regional variation so seafood is definitely one of our one of our things yeah cool so mm, yeah okay yep maybe projecting on you kelly i'm, I'm wondering like in this situation <laughs> i'd want like a white wine or something oh like, yeah what do you oh, pair yeah. with yeah um yes you pair with it's an irish city that's what you pair it with <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> um, yeah, and again, Boston's a really interesting mix because it's a bit like Australia in a lot of ways. You've got the kind of the old Yankee established money, right, that came over as merchants and um, officers in the army or navy or whatever. So it's got this kind of like quasi-British connection still of like old mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. and Harvard and all that sort of stuff. That's all the old what we would call a wasp, right? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. However, like any city, it had its waves of immigrants. One of the biggest being the Boston, um, the Irish. So Irish Bostonians are obviously a real thing, still are. And since then, you know, lots of Italians, lots of Greeks. And the past probably 40 years has been more like Vietnamese, Southeast Asian, uh, lots of Brazilians. So you really get a little bit, a little bit of everything. But I think the Irish, because they've been there, like the Italians as well, they've been there so long, they've really got a foothold in terms of like what the food and pub culture mm. looks like. So, mm. yeah. And there's lots of good Irish pubs in and around like the Union Oyster House and Faneuil Hall and that cool. area. So yeah, lots to explore. But I'm sure you could get like a nice glass of bubbles or a cheeky white wine with your mm. um, with your oysters or your clam chowder, as we, yeah. as we say. <laughs> chowder. <laughs> it's like 
easy slide into Australian accent because Bostonians notoriously drop their R's out of things. So yeah, isn't that interesting? Mm. It's not that yeah. different. No. So my friends tell me now I have a Bostonian accent. <laughs> and how do you feel about that? I don't know. A bit conflicted, to be honest. <laughs> I thought that might be the answer. <laughs> All right. So we have ticked seafood. Yeah. Um, okay. And my other next? one is I'll, I'll sum up kind of, I don't know, three of the most historic and um, culturally, as I said, left that cultural footprint in Boston. The second is the Italians. So just kind of steps away, like maybe uh, within a kilometer is the North End. Again, really historic. And actually the Union Oyster House and the North End are all in the downtown area um, and along the Freedom Trail, which is like literally a red line that they've painted onto the sidewalk and it gives you all these little historical sites that you can do along the way, which is really cool. So it's like a self-guided tour. You can do like a walking tour that's like more formal. We actually have a tour guide. And both of these places are kind of in and around that area. Um, so again, home to a lot of the rabble rousers, the North End back in the day, like the story of like the lanterns when the British were coming, one if by land, two if by sea, all have that kind of connection down to this area. At some point during America's immigration history, the Italians populated it and never left. So it still is a really fun place to go. Lots of mom and pop restaurants, lots of really tiny little flats. I lived in there for uh, about six months. It was a great place. You couldn't walk home without getting a cannoli. Um, (laughs) So which is both good and bad. Um, But yeah, really fun. Savory. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Mascarpone and yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. Lots of bakeries and just a lot, a lot of little fun, little interesting places you can pop into. But um, the OG like pizza place is called Pizzeria Regina and it was established uh-huh. like in the 1920s. And you go there not just for the pizza, but for the salty waitresses because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what do you want? You know, it's like that kind of place where you just like, they just have tood and they just like turn over so many tables. They don't care if you tip them because they're like, you're going to be gone in 10 minutes. And there'll be uh-huh. another one. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And they're not like outwardly rude, but you can tell they're just like, they're like career waitresses and they've got <laughs> no time for your shit. So order, <laughs> have your damn pizza and get out. So, yeah. It's, so it's really, it's really fun. And it's so tiny. I think the um, toilet, the bathroom in there is like an airplane toilet size. It's like, you know, you get to turn around like this. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. You know, that sort of thing. So, um, but really good giant, like just classic cheese pizzas. I mean, they do everything, but we always go in and get like a big filthy cheese pizza. And yeah, that keeps us going for the day. Yeah. Well, one of the things that Tim and I, um, my other half and I always talk about, not always, we're not talking about pizza constantly, but there's quite a distinction (laughs) between Italian pizza and what we would traditionally see as like an American pizza. Like what is this Boston Italian pizza? Where does, which kind of end does it sit on? Um, I would say it's like a classic Neapolitan style. So like Southern Italy, so big, thin crust, hot Mm. oven temperatures, nothing fancy. You're not going to go in there and get artichokes on your pizza. You'd get laughed out of the place. Right. Um, so they just do like, yeah, simple, good, big, like a New York style pizza. Like that's kind of all in the same sort of vein, but none of those like tiny bar pizzas, like fancy. Yeah. No, none of that. None of that. So, okay. Yeah. It's good. So my child who likes to eat by volume, perfect for him because it's, it's cheap and they're big and they're filling. Yes. 
and, yeah. and you it's can just get like a cheese pizza for the one yep. who eats kind of more like staples yep exactly um, the staples yeah are we the taking a diet. third what was our third requirement <laughs> oh he's the foodie he's yes the foodie oh part, well yeah. so yeah yeah tick yeah. tick tick yeah so everybody's happy with that yeah and husband thank god he's easy so he's just like <laughs> so i think the last time we were um home which was just october i think they went there i didn't always go because i was busy catching up with people but i think they went at least three times to into Regina's. Wow. yeah and we just go and then walk around and do something touristy in town or whatever so yeah that's quite a good family place being yeah. Good. yeah 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 so you always know what you're gonna get too there's, there's kind of always a comfort in that with food isn't there like that's the mcdonald's philosophy right you're always going to know what it's going to taste like look like so yes yeah this yeah. is why I used to I'm, I don't want to at all try to draw a similarity between the place I'm about to mention and the place you're speaking about but when I lived in Wagard that's why I loved La Paqueta I know yes. it's not around anymore but it was always open and it was you just always knew what you were going to get always very consistent. consistent very yeah. relaxed atmosphere yeah it's good to have a yeah. place like that yeah, it is. Mm. It is for sure. Mm. And my third and final place that I'm going to mention, a little bit left of center in terms of it's not food, but it is good for drinking. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm listening. Okay. Now, and, and I should preface that by saying it's full of seasoned drinkers a lot of the times, right? <laughs> so it's this place called <laughs> JJ Foley's, um, not a tourist place. Okay. So... In the old days, it was like right near the old newspaper, one of the Boston newspaper headquarters, like printing area. So they do not judge. There is no judgment in terms of if you want to drink at 8 a.m., that's the place you go to. Yeah. So you get a lot of cops, a lot of firemen, a lot of fellas who worked at um, the overnight shift at the newspaper. Like it was, it's like a round the clock sort of bar and there's always people. But come about midnight, it just fills up with like lots of uni students and lots of hipsters and lots of... Um, a little, little bit of everything, all walks of life between like midnight, probably 11 and 2 a.m. So, so it's, re- it's really a kind of a funny, um, it's a long, one long bar. Like it's like a traditional, like you're walking back in time into like the early 1900s, still family owned. And it's called JJ Foley's. And it's also right on the cusp of like, kind of like areas in Boston that used to be a bit like kind of seedy and run down, but now they're getting a little bit more like gentrified. And, um, mm. and it's literally like a door on a corner that you could just like walk past and miss it. It's oh, that kind of place. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So it's fun. It's fun. As long as you go at the right time, which is generally after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> and so you say it's, um, it's not a touristy place. No. Is there a sense when someone walks in and they're clearly from out of town, like, yeah. Be oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 but 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 in the true old barman style the barmen are quite often on for chat they still okay. wear a shirt and tie none oh. of this like yeah there's no like we're wearing t-shirts or yeah <laughs> none of that no memes on their shirts or clothing you know it's like old school like they roll up the shirt sleeves and they have the tie and the white shirt and stuff so yeah yeah, yeah. so in that sense it's a bit of a boston institution but having said that, there's lots of really good, fun, touristy Irish pubs that are all in and around as well. Okay. Like, so you ha- have that one on your hot list? It's have a hot on list one. Yeah, because I think it's like, yeah, it's like one that not a tourist might not get to. Right. And what do you order when you're there? A Guinness. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I would say, like you, I feel like New York City is fantastic, right? There's such wow factor. But you could literally spend 
three months in New York City and feel like you barely scratched the surface. Mm. Boston, on the other hand, it reminds me a lot of Melbourne. It's not about the wow factor. There's no real wow factor in Boston. Like the harbor is pretty and stuff, but it's not Sydney. Um, mm. But you could spend like four days in Boston or three, or three days in Boston and feel like you've seen it. Like you mm. feel like you've got an idea of what it's really like. And then you yeah. eat, there's lots of other really cool things to do, like Harvard, which technically isn't part of Boston, but really is. Um, all of that's kind of really accessible and mm. it's a great walking city. So like the, um, like I said, the Freedom Trail, it's a great way to see the city on foot and stop off and have a drink, have a little glass of wine or a Guinness and keep going, then go and listen to some Irish music or whatever it might be. So you can do lots of stuff in a fairly compact area. I really like visiting places like that. Sure, there's excitement in places where you'd need to just keep going back or spend a really long time. But the way I like to travel is go and stay at the one place for a longer period of time and get yeah. a feel for what it's like to live there and the culture, not just a, yeah. the, the touristy culture stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel like you might have put Boston on my radar in a way that it wasn't <laughs> before. This is cool. Oh, that's good. That's good. The yeah, history cause... sounds really impressive as well, like intertwined with all of these different area, the different yeah. options you're talking about. Yeah, and there's like, yeah, and there's some really kind of cool little old style like pubs and restaurants and that sort of thing in Boston's Beacon Hill, which is like I said, that's like the original old money section, right? Like all the rich merchants, that's where they built and bought back in the 17 and 1800s. So even just to walk through the brownstones and yeah, it's great. It's like I said, you can you can do a lot. It's very compact and there's lots to see and eat and drink. So it's great. Perfect. Hmm. Kelly, I loved this conversation. Oh, um, thanks, Jess. Like, <laughs> Want to book a ticket now to go explore in Boston. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing your insights. I I love that I have this chance to speak with people who have that that on the ground experience and also yep. passion for different places. So yeah, yeah thank you for, well, thanks for having me. Expertise. Yeah. Great. I'm glad to be an ambassador for a great city. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh,